Welcome into Bearcat Rewind, episode number 64 of the podcast, and we are gearing up for the NCAA Division II Elite Eight next week. Northwest Missouri State men's basketball knocked off Northern State in overtime to punch their ticket to the national quarterfinal round in Evansville, Indiana. Today, we're taking a look at that matchup the Bearcats have Wednesday against West Liberty and taking in the entire field of eight with John McCarthy, the founder of Small College Basketball. McCarthy has a pulse on everything going on across NCAA Division II and Division III basketball, as well as the NAIA and other small college basketball organizations around the country. He's an expert on the sport and is passionate about basketball, so this was a fun interview catching up with him here today. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information is available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And also Clarinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through a local team of providers and nurses. More information at clarindahealth.com. Today's conversation with John McCarthy covers the remaining eight teams in D2 basketball, a scouting report on West Liberty, and his evaluation of the Bearcast through 27 games. Let's dive into this week's episode of the podcast. We're joined by John McCarthy, the founder of Small College Basketball. And John, we can't believe it, but after everything, the offseason we had, no tournament last year, we're coming up on the cusp of the Elite Eight tournament starting up next Wednesday. Northwest Missouri State, one of those four matchups. They'll be taking on West Liberty. And from your perspective, you've been watching college basketball, not only NCAA Division Two, but just kind of across the board as far as, as, far as small colleges go. This has to just be... Uh, icing on the cake for you after seeing the season we've had and seeing games come back we're finally into a championship mode almost yeah i mean this is a great time of the year how much fun is this i mean it's just such a thrilling time of the year whether you're following division two division three uh, well division three didn't have a tournament but uh the the nai tournament begins today the elite eight uh it begins next week it's just such a thrill and and to top it all off how great of a game was that with Northern State? I mean, you're talking about two of the very, very best teams in Division Two in the country just pouring their hearts out on the court the other night in an absolute classic game. I mean, just a thrill. To be honest, we're a couple days later, and, and I'm still, I'm still pumped. I mean, I'm still, uh, still on cloud nine from a couple nights ago. What a game! It's just, it's hard to describe to people uh, the level of play that we saw out there. Uh, at Wax Arena at Northern State, just fantastic college basketball. And thank you for having me on to get a chance to talk more about college basketball in this wonderful, wonderful March. John, it's always great to hear from you. And in that game, the way that ended, and, and obviously a, a win for Northwest, we were going to come home happy regardless. But that one kind of kept us on a high, that whole seven-and-a-half-hour drive home uh, from Aberdeen, South Dakota. Just a, a fantastic game. Down by 12 in the first half, that was the largest deficit Northwest had faced all season long. Um, and they kind of pulled themselves up by them bootstraps, down by one at halftime, uh, down by double digits again with just a couple minutes left and found a way to win it. And, boy, there are good players up and down the roster for Northwest. Uh, Byron Alexander is the most outstanding player of the NCAA Central Region Tournament. But you can't say enough good things about Trevor Hudgens and what he brings night in and night out. Oh, jeez. I mean, talk, talk about a winner, winner, winner. It's much beyond the box score. Uh, Trevor Hudgens is just an absolute winner. I mean, I think it's um, – I'm running out of adjectives for him, honestly. It's just so poised, so cool, so calm. 
Um, I, I don't. Is there a is there a player in Division Two uh, or all of small college that you'd rather have the ball in his hands at crunch time? Um, it's just an absolute winner, and 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 it's just uh, frankly, it's just a joy to watch uh, how calm and how cool and collected he is with the ball in his hands. He's just just a winner, time and time again. I mean, you guys watch this, you know, every game, and it's it's almost. Um, I don't, I don't know what adjectives to use because it's, it's almost expected, uh, but you're expecting greatness almost every night, and he delivers. Uh, it's, just, it's just fun to watch. What a, um, what a wonderful player. Just a great college basketball player. You know that shot, that step-back three-pointer to send it into overtime. He knocks it down. The bench goes crazy. We're getting pretty excited up in the booth, obviously, watching the game uh, for the radio perspective. Straight faced, he walks back to the huddle and he gets himself ready for overtime. <laughs> the guy, he is just so even keel. Things are up, things are down. He's just, he's just Trevor Hudgens out there, and, and that's that's been so fun to watch. On the other side, Northern State, what a, a team that is, and that's going to be a good basketball team for years to come as well. Parker Fox, one of the best players in the country, and uh, and to cap it off, we get to see these two teams. Probably pretty much the exact same rosters come back around and face each other to start things off again next year. Not that we want to get ahead of ourselves from what we have coming up next week, but the rivalry building between Northwest and Northern State, it is just fun to watch. Yeah, I might be a little bit biased in your comment there, of course, uh, with uh, having them open up next season in the uh, Small College Basketball National Hall of Fame Classic uh, right there in the Civic Arena in St. Joe, uh, literally the first day of the college basketball season uh, Parker Fox and Northern State will be down here uh, against Northwest Missouri State. Uh, absolute uh, classic game I think we saw this week uh, for, for the Elite Eight berth on the line, and uh, we're going to open up the season in the same way next year. Uh, but, but, you know, I, I want to just take a moment and give credit to Northern State. Absolutely terrific season for them. Uh, regular season and tournament champs in the Northern Sun. Uh, Coach Saul Phillips uh, has just done a phenomenal job uh, since taking over for Paul Sather there. I mean, coming into the game, one loss for the entire season. Uh, you know, and Parker Fox gets a lot of the headlines, and deservedly so. He's that good. Uh, but I also want to, you know, throw a little kudos out to the entire team. That's a good college basketball team that plays as a team. I think Andrew Coleman's a heck of a player. Tommy Chapman's a heck of a player. Andrew Stark, who didn't shoot it well the other night, is a, could really shoot the ball. It's just a really good college basketball player. Uh, Belka's tough. I mean, they're... They're just good as the entire team. They share the ball well. They defend. They rebound. Uh, this is a high-level college basketball team. And I, I really think, and you probably agree, uh, that Northern State is on a very short list among the top teams in Division II last year. And with the presumption that everybody is back uh, for this next season, will be certainly among the very best teams in Division II in the country as we head into next year as well. So my hat's off to Northern State. The program they've built and the job that they've done there, uh, kudos and great job to Northern State. The atmosphere, the way that game was played, it felt like it was an Elite Eight Final Four championship type of game there in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Also a tremendous uh, environment there in Aberdeen for that one. But as we go into this tournament, a little bit of a change. Only 48 teams instead of the full 64 like we typically see. Just some uh, COVID shuffling going on there. But through the first uh, three rounds, we see number one seeds, Northern State, Belmont Abbey, Hillsdale, St. Thomas Aquinas, Colorado Mesa, all going down. What's your biggest takeaway so far? Just kind of looking at this big picture of what we see out of the NCAA D2 tournament. You know, on the whole, uh, on the whole, uh, well, let me rephrase this. All eight teams that have made the Elite Eight 
are very deserving. Uh, I think they've done a good job uh, with it. I think the tournament itself has been terrific. I I don't think there's been uh, any big game upsets, if you will. Uh, I think all eight teams are deserving. Uh, certainly, are there some games you thought, hey, maybe maybe a team just played really well and, and, and won? Uh, sure. But on the whole, I think all eight teams are, are very deserving. I think one of the things we're going to see are obviously some of the, the best teams. If you look at what finished last season, coming into this season, number one, number two, and number three in the country was, were Northern State, uh, West Texas A&M, and Lincoln Memorial at the end of last season. And as we head into the Elite Eight, all three – uh, of those teams are there uh, this season as well. So I, I think we got most of the top teams in the country. Now, having said that, the interesting dynamic is what you mentioned, going from 64 teams to 48, which for the first time that I recall, uh, a score of teams got a bye for the first round. The number one and number two seeds uh, all over the country got a bye. And then the other thing that was interesting is some regions just simply played so many more games than others. And you know, a, as you saw, in the Northeast, for an example, there were teams that came into the tournament uh, with a 4-4 four and four record, for example, total. Played eight games for the year. And so the Northeast, on the whole, just had different restrictions. They decided to try to play and started the season after the new year, but played a small number of games. The flip side is, you know, here, here we are with, you know, Northwest played 27 games this year at, at this point. And so you've got somebody like uh, Damon coming into the Elite Eight, as an example, uh, that's just played a small number of games, relatively speaking, uh, to, to the others. So it's been an interesting dynamic to watch itself play out. But we're also going to see some of the very best players in the country. Obviously, we talk about Hudgens and Hawkins, uh, but, but there's so many others uh, on that team. But then you know, West Liberty has uh, Pat Robinson and Dalton Bull and West Texas A&M. Uh, their backcourt with Quay Grant and Joel Murray. Damon with Cisco, you saw him last year at our – our classic is uh, one of the elite big men in the country. Uh, Lincoln Memorial's got two or three fantastic players. Colorado Mines just a very well balanced, good team, and one of the very best players in the country plays at Flagler with Jasek uh, Lottie. Uh, it's just just fantastic. His first year there uh, turns that program completely around, and um, and I think we're going to see a spectacular player uh, with Jasek Lottie there as well. And Truman is so well balanced between you know both guards are really tough. And you got two six nine post players that are a really good balanced players. So uh, this is going to be a funny lead eight. I'm I'm thrilled. I'm just really thrilled about this lead eight. I just cannot wait until Wednesday. It's fun seeing the clashing of styles of teams coming up, and we'll talk about that with Northwest and West Liberty coming in. But it's also kind of the shuffle of you mentioned Northwest has played twenty seven games. Uh, Damon, when they reseed the Elite Eight, they're they're eight, they're ten and five on the season. But Andrew Cisco, like you mentioned, one of the best big men in the country. We had a lot of fun watching him against Northwest last year. Northwest kind of talks like, and Zach Schneider, the assistant coach, Ben McComb, the head coach with the Bearcats. You know, it takes fifteen games or so for them to feel like. You know they're fully into the offense. Things are clicking the way it should. That's usually non-conference games with conference games. They're kind of inter- intertwined as we head into what January at that point, and and things are really starting to pick up for them. Well, the Bearcats have played 27 games, so they're kind of where they want to be as far as that goes. But the legs are a little bit fresher than say a couple years ago when they played 38 games in a season. They'll they'll top out if they go through and and play three more at 30 for the whole year. On the other side, you have Damon where. If they're in a similar situation, they played 15 so far, and they're they know who they are. But you're also still getting yourself into the swing of things to where you'd be midway through the season. It's just very interesting the different dynamics everybody's kind of has going into this this tournament. Yeah, that's a that's a great observation, and uh, it, it's just 
it's a very, here's the other interesting observation with Northwest is they played 27 games as, as we've talked about, but I'm sure everybody realized the game against Northern state was the first game this season. They played against a non-conference opponent since they decided to play only conference opponents during the regular season and then the conference tournament. And then they draw Washburn in their first game of the, the NCAA tournament. That's here. We are playing for a chance to go to the elite eight. And that is the only non-conference game they played all season. And so for the most part, throughout the conference season, they know these teams they're playing. They've played them for years. They know the, you know, the coaches. They know their style. They know their players. Uh, and so now there's a little bit of an adjustment. But with the leadership of Ben McCollum and Zach Snyder, along with having Trevor Hudgens handle the ball, uh, they are so well. They have so much experience uh, that, well, it's nice to have the ball in Trevor Hudgens' hands. I'll say that. <laughs> to say the least yeah trevor's been uh been fantastic to watch and it is interesting to kind of go through that we had trevor on post game after the northern state win and he mentioned this is our first non-conference game of the year it honestly hadn't dawned on me to that point it's just basketball 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 I'm like oh wow it has been only miaa teams and it's, it's crazy to be at this point and just now seeing that the bearcats second non-conference game will be coming up in the Elite Eight. They'll be taking on West Liberty. That's been a kind of a fun team, I think, for Bearcat fans to watch from afar because they score so many points, averaging 102 points per game this season, I think. They play very fast. They like to press. This is their 12th straight NCAA tournament appearance. What do you know about West Liberty? What should Bearcat fans watch for as they head into this matchup? Yeah, so I've watched them quite a bit. Uh, this year, probably five, six, seven times, but each, each of the last several years, you know, a half dozen times or so, I've watched West Liberty. And first, I want to give credit to Ben Howlett, who took over for Jim Crutchfield four years ago. And Coach Crutchfield, who's now at Nova Southeastern, had built one of the, the finest programs in Division Two over his time there. Uh, and then Ben Howlett takes over, had been a longtime assistant for Coach Crutchfield, and hasn't, hasn't missed a beat. They've just continued along with the same style of play that Coach Crutchfield put in. Uh, but credit to Coach Howlett. It's tough to keep it up at that level year after year after year. And he's done it. Obviously, they come in 18-4 and four here. But what we're going to see is a very contrasting styles. Uh, West Liberty averages 102 points a game. They like to they make a bucket. They are picking up full court. They're pressing the entire game. Uh, defensively, they are uh, going to come at you offensively, move the ball, move people, get a shot up quickly. Uh, they're good. But the other thing that they're going to do is they're going to play uh, – 10, 12 players on a regular basis in the rotation. You're going to see every three to five minutes, there's going to be substitutions. And in a lot of cases, four or five players at a time substituting. You know, the, the names, if you will, Dalton Boland, Pat Robinson are your, uh, your big names, if you will, out of their, their program. Boland was named the player of the year in the league, the Mountain East for the second year in a row, uh, just surpassed uh, 2,000 career points. Uh, good, good player. Now, having said that, uh, when you watch, you'll see that there's a lot of good players. Pat Robinson's really good. He could just flat-out score. Uh, he's a junior and re- really good player. Uh, but they're going to rotate people in and out so much and keep coming at you. I think Luke Dyer is a key for him. You look at you know, the, the box score, you look at the statistics and see, well, he doesn't put up huge numbers, but he controls the tempo. He's their point guard. He distributes really well, by far leads them in assists. Uh, he's their leader out there with the ball in his hands. But everybody from uh, Eliza Watson to Marlon Moore, uh, can just really score. Bryce Butler's really come on well in the second half. And, uh, and I'll tell you what's uh, really impressive uh, about them is they lost one of their best players uh, midway through the season, Will Yoakum, who I thought was really good. He's one of their better athletes, about 6'4", 6'5", averaging 16.5 points a game. And uh, they lost him. He got injured and has been out for the rest of the season. And yet they haven't missed a beat. 
Uh, they just continue to come at you and at you and at you, and their hope is to wear you down. You know, wear you down, cause you to, you know, force turnovers, and for the most part, I mean, they're, they're 18 and 4, and it, year after year after year, uh, it works. Uh, and so it should be a really fun matchup um, to watch. The challenge for West Liberty is the fact that they're playing against a team coached by Ben McCollum, and they're playing against a team whose primary ball handler is Trevor, Trevor Hudgens, uh, who rarely makes mistakes, makes great decisions, and uh, handles the ball and distributes it so well. And, and the team plays, Northwest plays so well together. They've really clicked uh, the second half of this year, and it's really been a joy to watch. So I think, I think we're in for a lot of fun watching this opening round game. Uh, but I think with a week plus of preparation uh, for Ben McCollum and Zach Snyder, uh, I, I think that's, uh, that's very helpful. I think Coach, Coach McCollum would rather play West Liberty, if they're going to play them at all, I think they'd rather play them with a week and a half to prepare as opposed to the second or, or next round when you've only got 24 hours to prepare or 48 hours to prepare. Uh, I think he, he likes the preparation time for this. And the Bearcats are so good in their half-court set, slowing things down. They play a team that wants to get up-tempo. They'll intentionally slam the brakes on, take some time off that shot clock, and just do what they can to kind of control the pace of a basketball game. Uh, you mentioned some of these big names here for West Liberty, and, and, and for those of us that haven't watched them yet this year, how does a guy like Ryan Hawkins figure in that's been so good at scoring in the paint? Do they match up well with him? How, how does their, their big man situation look in the post? To, to be honest, I don't. my own thought is I don't think Northwest is going to have a challenge offensively um, scoring. I think what's going to be an interesting thing to watch is we know when West Liberty uh, scores, they're picking up full court. They're going, to, they're going to pressure the ball. They're going to pick up full court. And so at that point, we all, it's an interesting dynamic because, as you mentioned, Northwest is so good and so efficient in the half court. They run their, material, their stuff so well. They pick and roll. They make such good decisions uh, with the ball. You, you feel pretty comfortable with what they can do in the half court. And somebody like Hawkins uh, should be more than just good shape. This, this should play right into his hands just, just fine. However, I think one of the decisions they're going to need to make, knowing West Liberty wants to go, 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 get up and down the court, force the tempo as – as once they get the ball, when Hudgens gets the ball or Diego gets the ball, uh, as they c- come up the court, do they want to go and take advantage of fast break opportunities and try to get those layups in the fast break, or do they want to get across half court, hit the brakes, and run half court offense? Uh, because it's just an interesting dynamic. That's typically what Northwest does and does really well. The flip side is when they break that press and they go, and Diego, as you know, can slice and dice about as well as anybody in the country in Division Two. Do you take advantage of the, the fact that you may be able to get through that press and get a few opportunities to get wide open layups or dunks? Do you take those, um, or do you pull it out and say, no, that plays into their hand a little bit? It's just going to be interest, interesting to see uh, what they decide. Do they want to? They want to go because we know Northwest can run too. Uh, they're, they're not, you know, as, as you've seen all year. Uh, while they play the half court so well and so efficiently, when they have the opportunities they can take advantage of it quite well. So it's just going to be interesting to see uh, the tempo of this game and who really dictates uh, the tempo. And at the end of the day, I think the team that dictates the tempo um, along with, frankly, who hits their open shots. I don't have much doubt. The Northwest going to get open shots. Uh, are they going to hit them? You know, as, as an example, uh, what the last two games we just watched against Washburn, clearly everything clicked. They were on offensively, defensively, everything clicked. What I thought was impressive about the Northern State win is 
here you are playing truly one of the best teams in the country who plays both ends of the court really well. And aside from Trevor, and I don't know if this happened all season, that not one other player hit a three-pointer aside from Trevor. The rest of the team was 0 for 10 from the three-point line. That is incredibly rare for Northwest. So I guess one of the questions is, does Northwest hit their open shots? They're such a terrific shooting team. I mean, shooting, you know, as you're aware, well over 50% for the year from the field. Um, do they hit their open shots? And who dictates the tempo? I think it make a difference in this game. And headed into that that game against Northern State, the second-ranked shooting team from three-point range on the season. But you're right, just a bit of a drought there outside of, of Trevor for Northwest Missouri State. And that will be a fun kind of chess match there between the coaches of, all right, is, is Coach Mack hitting the gas, pulling things back? But that'll, that'll be fun to watch as this one comes up next Wednesday. As we head into it, West Texas A&M, Northwest, Lincoln Memorial, West Liberty, we've got great teams across the board in this Elite Eight. I don't want to put you on the spot in, in – if you want to defer, then that's fine. Is there a leader in the clubhouse? I mean, obviously West Texas A&M is the one seed, but do you kind of look around and say, kind of got to go with this team or, or the house money on one, on one particular team? You, you know, I try to uh, try to avoid any kind of prediction. Uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, I give kudos to, to everybody. You know, with, with, with that said, you know, at, at this point, you know, North, Northwest has lost two games. Uh, one has been in overtime, and the other was a 57-foot uh, shot. And so other than that, they haven't lost anybody but Washburn this year. They're defending national champs. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think all eyes are on Northwest at this point. With that said, uh, West Texas uh, is really good. Uh, Lincoln Memorial and the Colorado Mines, I think, is going to be a terrific first-round game. Mines is really good. They're very well-balanced, uh, very well-coached, very disciplined. Uh, having said that, Lincoln Memorial is deep and athletic and, and, and slashes, and they're just good. So I, I don't know if, um, if you'd walk into this saying, hey, there's just a favorite in this. I, I really don't, I don't think there's necessarily a favorite. Uh, but at the moment, Northwest is back as defending national champions um, and is, is playing really well. If you can beat Northern State at Northern State uh, with only one player hitting a three-pointer and uh, the rest of the team other than Trevor going 0 for 10, that's actually a good sign because we know that's, that is an anomaly. That's very rare. The, the other thing I just want to mention about the, the West Liberty-Northwest matchup, and that's this. Uh, with the fact that Northwest is primarily down to a six-man rotation that is clicking on all cylinders and really playing well together, and you've got a scenario where West Liberty is literally playing 10 and 12 players, wholesale substitutions, and pushing the tempo, uh, they're counting on their ability to turn Northwest over and to wear them out, as they do against most of their opponents, or try to do against most of their opponents. So I think one other key, or two other keys, is can Northwest continue with their six- or seven-person rotation and, and be in enough great shape condition-wise, which at this point it appears that they are, but can they play at that tempo or at the tempo they want and be in, in great enough shape to be strong down the stretch and continue to take care of the ball as they typically do against this style. So the, the combination of conditioning and taking care of the ball, uh, it'll be fun to see who, who dictates those, who dictates the tempo and, and who's in great shape as we, as we head into the last five, eight minutes of that game uh, between these two. This is two really good college basketball teams that are two really well coached with clearly different styles and different philosophies. So it really should be fun to watch. But back to your original question, I don't think there's a clear-cut favorite. 
I think we're in for a great weekend of basketball with eight really good college basketball teams, and it's just going to be a thrill to watch. And you mentioned earlier it's it's kind of big for Northwest to have a week to prepare for for West Liberty. It's also a week to make sure, all right, got our legs back under us. You're seeing them in the first game, not the third game potentially of the weekend, to where you might be a little bit more fatigued. So a lot of little factors that, you know, on the surface maybe you don't see, but that really do go into this matchup between West Liberty, who wants to speed this game up, and Northwest, who might want to slow things down a little bit and keep it a little more low scoring. Well, I just I want to comment on, on, on something that I think I want to make sure I get out there while we're talking is uh, Hawkins and Hudgens get a tremendous amount of press, if you will. And I, first of all, I want to comment and say they should. They're that good. Uh, they've led the team uh, in, you know, in just about every category you can think of. Uh, they're that good. I think both are clearly, you know, they're first team All-American players. They're clearly each of them in the, in the National Player of the Year discussion uh, without much question. I think you've got, you know, give or take about eight players in the National Player of the Year discussion, and I think both of them are clearly in that. All the, the press and the kudos they get, uh, one, I think they deserve it, and two, I'm so impressed with the fact that both of them handle that extremely well by the fact they just go out and play basketball. They're so zoned in on playing basketball, and Hawkins, they're both such a joy to watch with Hudgens the way he just, just handles the tempo and so poised, so under control. And, and, and Hawkins, Ryan just looks like he's having fun. And, and, and so I just want to comment on those two, but I also think it's important that while so much of the attention goes to those two, and again, very deservedly so, but Diego Bernard, Luke Waters, Wes Dreamer, and now Byron Alexander, wow, they just deserve so much credit. This is not, by any means, a two-man team. Uh, those two are that good. I, don't, I want to make sure I emphasize that. But Diego Bernard, uh, and I think you, you had mentioned, towards the end of the regular season, are saying he's, he's playing about as well as anybody in the MIAA that last whatever quarter of the season or so. Uh, Luke Waters had really come on well in the second half of the year, really has become an offensive threat. West Dreamer is just so consistent defensively, rebounding, taking care of the ball, taking charges, doing all the little things, that glue guy, uh, if you will, that helps you win. And I think we've all seen the evolution of Byron Alexander in his confidence and how hard he cuts, how hard he's going now on both ends of the floor. has just been fun to watch his evolution over the course of this year. So I want to make sure that, that it's important that we give credit to Diego Bernard, Luke Waters, West Dreamer, and Byron Alexander for the role that they played in the success of this team. Certainly others as well, but those guys can play. And each of those players would typically be among the best or if not the best player on many other Division II teams in the country. So kudos to each of them as well. I just think it's important that they get the credit that they deserve as well. No, you're 100% right. I mean, the work that they put in to get to that point, I mean, Diego Bernard, if you look at his his shooting percentages as he goes from freshman, sophomore to, to junior year, I mean, you can tell the work he's putting in. He's so under control. He's poised. His defensive intensity is there. But he's also just he sees the floor like almost nobody else in the country. Probably him and Trevor Hudges are right there as two at the top in, in all of NCAA Division II basketball. Waters and Dreamer, capability of going off every night. Byron's been a blast to watch. Just a young guy that's shooting like 78% from the field this season. <laughs> Something unreal. And throw in Isaiah Jackson, too. I mean, I mean, as a, as a basketball guru, you kind of look at this. This is a true freshman that... Not many minutes the first half of the season, but clearly put the work in in practice to be able to earn those minutes late in the season in the biggest games of the year, and he's out there making a contribution right now for Northwest. So I want to comment on that real quick. Um, you, that's, first of all, that's just a great observation, but I want to comment 
on the brilliance of Coach Ben McCollum. As, as, as you mentioned, early in the season, the first half of the season, frankly, he didn't play much at all. There's a lot of games he never left the bench. But if you noticed in the last quarter of the season, uh, Coach started putting him in a little bit more, a little more. And frankly, as we got to the last several games of the regular season in the MIAA tournament, even against good teams in, in, still in the, with a game to be determined in the first half, He's putting Isaiah Jackson in, and he started working to get him into the rotation more and more throughout the last four or five games of the regular season, the MIAA tournament, and all of a sudden we look into uh, the NCAA tournament and, and how important was he uh, hitting two free, free throws and then that bucket at the, at the very end um, against Northern State, playing big minutes um, in a crucial game, playing crucial minutes, but had Isaiah Jackson been completely cold and not played up until that point, it, it might have been a different story. All of a sudden, he's playing in the MIAA tournament key minutes. He's playing the NCAA tournament key minutes. And I just throw huge kudos out to Coach McCollum, uh, realizing that at, at some point down the stretch, we may need him. We're going to need a seventh player. What happens if somebody gets injured? What happens if we have foul trouble with somebody? And he began to work him in the last several games. And, and in my mind, that's paid huge dividends in the MIAA tournament and now the NCAA tournament. Just a brilliant move on his part, getting him key minutes uh, towards the end of the season so that when it came to crunch time, Isaiah Jackson's already been there. And he, he's done it, done it and had experience. So uh, brilliant move, I thought, on, on Coach McCollum's part. It's been so fun to watch this team throughout this year, especially when we didn't know if we'd actually get games in at all. Unfortunately, this year, we weren't able to have a small college basketball National Hall of Fame Classic, but we talked about it a little bit earlier. You've had some amazing teams go through. You've had, what, four of the Elite Eight teams just in the last couple seasons play in your tournament? Uh, just the, the last one alone. Actually, the head coach at Damon, Mike McDonald, called me yesterday after they uh, after they won the night before, and uh he said, hey, I just wanted to, to tell you, how cool is this? If we look at the Elite Eight right now, he said, when we were out there for the last event, he said four of these teams were there. It was uh, you know, Damon, uh, Northwest, of course, and West Texas A&M, Lincoln Memorial were all there. And if we looked at the final uh, 16, the round of 16, seven of those teams have played in our event uh, it, since we've gotten it started. So I'm, I'm a little biased. If you look at the previous year, uh, the last year we had it, 2019, with the number one, number two, and number three team in the country uh, at the end of the year all started in our events. The last two national champions have started in our event, the Ferris State and Northwest Missouri State. Uh, and so we, I'm a little bit biased, maybe a lot, but we've had, uh, we've had the best of the best in the country have played in our events uh, in the past. And obviously we're looking forward to that as we begin the 2021-22 season. Uh, as well, coming up this coming November. And that's one Bearcat fans should not miss. It'll be right down the road in St. Joseph. The Bearcats will play Northern State in Seattle Pacific once they start next year. Of course, they've got some big games coming up this week as they will face West Liberty in the Elite Eight coming up next Wednesday. John, it's always great to talk with you. For those that maybe don't know or aren't following yet on Twitter, where can they find you? Sure, on Twitter we're at SM College Hoops. So SM for small, SM College Hoops. And then you can go to the website at smallcollegebasketball.com. You can follow our blog at uh, smallcollegebasketball.tumblr, T-U-M-B-L-R.com. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at, uh, at Small College Basketball as well. So we're out there pretty active on social media. 
And uh, frankly, I'll be heading to the uh, NAI tournament at Municipal Auditorium here in a couple hours uh, to catch the action for the first four games of that tournament this afternoon and evening as well. So you can follow along on our social media with what we're doing. But uh, as we move into next season, you can follow the Hall of Fame Classic all the way to the end of the season when we'll have the National Awards Show uh, as well. So, uh, Matt, I really appreciate you having me on and giving us the opportunity to talk about basketball, and in this case, the Elite Eight. What a thrill uh, to be on with you, and what a thrilling time of the year it is. John, honestly, the, the information you put out there, the support you have for small college hoops, especially Division Two, what we see for the MIAA here locally as well, it is all fantastic. We appreciate what you do for the sport, and it's always great talking to you. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me on, and uh, uh, look forward to following along with the Elite Eight. Thanks, Matt. Thanks again to John McCarthy of Small College Basketball joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. Always fun to catch up with John. He's a guy that knows his basketball. He's so passionate about the sport and loves it. Also gracious with his time as well. Probably chatted for 30 minutes before actually starting the interview. So always great to catch up with John. Be sure to check out his content, especially here during tournament time. He has tons of good stuff. In case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Lori Hawkins, Northwest Missouri State Deputy AD. She's also the chair of NCAA Division II Women's Basketball, so kind of a behind-the-scenes look at getting that bracket put together. Zach Schneider, Northwest Missouri State Men's Assistant Coach. Mike Racy, the commissioner for the MIAA, and many more, so be sure to check out those old episodes of the podcast. Northwest Missouri State Professor Alex Kurt produced our intro and outro music. Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of the podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends about Bearcat Rewind. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.